this is Measure of Faith, and I'm one of your hosts, Rachel. And I'm the other one, Hannah. Hello. (laughs) And today we're going to read a story by Carrie B. And our trigger warnings are hate crime violence and homophobia. Yeah, today's theme is... I guess. Homosexuality. And what does dying. God think about homosexuality? And what happens when you cross over and you talk to God about that? Maybe now God can confirm that everything that you've worried about your whole life, you don't need to worry about it. Maybe. Yeah, let's see what Carrie says. Carrie B. N. D. E. Experience description. I was walking my dog and began sneezing. At first, I thought it was normal, but the sneezing was relentless. I felt the need to get back inside. By the time I got to my apartment on the fifth floor, I was still sneezing and started to itch. My wife was home and I told her that I felt weird. My tongue was swelling and my eyes were red and starting to swell too. My palms were itching, as well as my neck and back. She knew I was having an allergic reaction and went to get Benadryl at the grocery store across the street. Shortly after she left, I started gasping for air and was sweating profusely. I texted her that I needed an ambulance. There happened to be an ambulance out in front of our apartment building and she pleaded with them to let a member of their crew to come help me. They said they couldn't split up because they were there on another call, but they called for another ambulance. My wife texted me to come to P2, parking level 2, to meet her and the paramedics that were on their way. I read the text as my airways swelled shut and I could no longer breathe. I toppled over from the chair that I was sitting on and experienced my first of four deaths that were to follow that night. I went into darkness. Nothing was there. No sound, no light. I wasn't in this place long because my dog started barking at a high pitch. She knew I was in distress. The frequency pierced my consciousness and I came to. I still couldn't breathe, but I knew I had some place to go. I staggered to the front door to make my way to the elevator. I didn't remember to pick up my phone. The elevator was 50 to 60 feet away. I made it five steps outside of my door and was gasping for air. I remember thinking to myself, this is really how I'm going to go out, really? I fell to the floor in the hallway after not being able to breathe and what happened next was life-changing. As I took my last breath, my eyes closed in death and they opened in a beautiful, radiant, white, limitless light. It was crystal clear. My physical form was no longer a human form. I was a light body. I could tell because I could see my reflection. It was like I was looking in a mirror. I found myself pulled up through the light at an accelerated rate of speed. It was like I was being sucked through the air by a powerful yet gentle and loving force. It was like I was riding a cosmic elevator. I wasn't afraid though. All I could feel was love that was so powerful that I knew I was going home. While continuing at an accelerated speed, I was stopped by my grandparents who came out of the void. They were luminous light bodies that I could recognize by their energy. I could feel them. They were apologetic and wanted to let me know that they were sorry. Through telepathy, they said that now that they were on the other side, they understood that by my being gay, I had lived in so much fear. I had to live in terrified silence during my childhood and didn't come out until I was 31. By being gay, I lived in fear in my own home because my mom would have beat me or kicked me out of the house. 
Being gay had a particular stigma associated with it because it meant that my sin was unique. I was taught that I was an abomination destined to the lake of fire since I grew up as a Southern Baptist in the Bible Belt. In 2009, I had been targeted in a hate crime because I was gay, attacked and left for dead on the street. I understood what my grandparents were telling me. It made me feel good to hear this apology. They said it wasn't my time and that I needed to go back. They radiated love through their energy. I accepted their apology. I said, I love you too, but I have somewhere else to go as I pointed toward the light. I affectionately shooed them away. They displayed a sense of humor, almost an arrogance, as they honored my wish and moved back into the void. At that moment, I looked up and saw my destination. I was looking in awe at God. It was like everything was happening at once. As I was staring up at God in amazement, every gay slur or violent act ever impressed upon me ran through me with such a flow. Events in my life played back in my mind like a movie. I felt a deep heaviness as I stared directly at an almighty, genderless God. I was thinking, was this the lake of fire moment? Would I be cast into hell for being an abomination? With absolute humility, I uttered seven words, I'm gay, will you still love me? The brilliant loving light formed into wings. At God's speed, he whisked me into his vast spiritual arms while huddling up the universe. I saw planets, stars, galaxies, and clusters all being brought into a cosmic God hug. On a human, the place where I was taken would be the heart. As God brought me in for a cosmic hug, he said, You are my child. I love you. I love you. I love you. Go tell him. He said in a southern accent. He patted me on the back like a coach encouraging his player to get back in the game. At that moment, my grandparents ran into the light and I was dropped back into my body. This explained their sense of humor and slight arrogance. They knew what was going to happen. Being dropped back into my body wasn't pleasant. I felt my body bounce and I still couldn't breathe. My blood pressure had plummeted. I was so free on the other side and now I was so restricted. I gained enough momentum to make it 25 more steps and I went down again. My wife had been timing me and became concerned that I had not made it down to the P2 floor. She took to the stairs and came to the fifth floor. She was running straight down our hallway and looked left at the hallway that led to the elevator. She saw me on the floor and that I was unresponsive. She took control of the situation and carried my dead, limp body the remaining 25 feet to the elevator. My wife is 5'2 and I'm 5'10. During this time, I was in total darkness. No God, no grandparents, no light, just darkness. My wife was saying things to me to get me to hold on. There was despair in her voice as she situated us in the elevator. Out of nowhere, I spontaneously awoke in her arms and told her that I loved her and that I was going home. I fell back on her with my dead, limp body as she was hitting the P2 button on the elevator. She missed the button and the elevator went up. Two men got on the elevator and Malia, my wife, begged for help. One of the men happened to be an army medic. She explained that I had gone into anaphylactic shock and the paramedics were meeting us on P2. The army medic laid me on the elevator floor and took control. I have no recall of the elevator ride until I heard the medic say my name in a loud voice. He said, Carrie, I heard you played basketball. Carrie, I heard you played basketball. He placed an emphasis on my name and the word basketball. He had apparently met my wife a few weeks prior to this night and she told him that I was a gifted athlete. I remember waking up to the most beautiful smile from a distance. 
He was trained to know what to do. If he would have been in my face, I don't think I would have come back. It would have been frightening. Next, all of these paramedics rushed into the elevator and pulled me out. They were unaware of all that I had been through in the last 25 minutes. I was awake and breathing, but my body felt paralyzed. I just felt like a set of eyes in a body that was so heavy and dense. The paramedics started talking to me and asked me if I could get up on my own. I looked at them like they were crazy. I was still talking telepathically. I said through telepathy, No, I can't get up on my own. You know where I've been, and you know how heavy and restrictive these bodies are. I can't move. They didn't hear me, and I couldn't speak. They looked at me like I was being difficult, and I was going to make them pick me up off the floor. After several minutes of me trying to get my bearings of where I was and what had happened, they managed to get me up to the stretcher. I was taken to the emergency room, treated for anaphylactic shock, and released the next morning. Before this night, I had never had an allergic reaction to anything. I hadn't done anything different this night than other nights. I hadn't eaten anything that was strange or different. I had walked my dog on the same route as every other day. Over the next 20 days, I went into anaphylactic shock six more times. I had to use an EpiPen to save my life. I took six more rides in the ambulance to the emergency room. My body was drenched in epinephrine. My head and my heart felt like they were going to explode. I was being tested at University Medical for an answer to why I had gone into anaphylactic shock seven times in 21 days. Nothing was testing positive for an allergic reaction. To this day, they have no idea what caused the anaphylactic shock. It hasn't happened again in the last three years. After the NDE, I started losing consciousness at random times and quickly these episodes happened when I was at my home. One night, I got up off the couch to go to another room and felt like I was walking in quicksand. I dropped to the floor, fell into the closet door, and sliced my head open. I quickly regained consciousness as if nothing happened. I was being treated for syncope, but they did not know what was causing it. This went on for a year and a half before my doctor decided to put a monitor on my heart. I wore this monitor for two weeks straight and it recorded my heart rhythm. The test came back showing that my heart had been stopping for nine seconds at a time. Consequently, I needed a pacemaker immediately. In January of 2017, I had a pacemaker implanted. The cause for my heart stopping is unknown. I haven't experienced any other medical condition since this date. Prior to the anaphylactic shock, I was recovering from injuries from a hate crime that took place in 2009. I was attacked and brutally assaulted on Sunset Boulevard. The perpetrator left me for dead on the sidewalk and was never caught. I had an out-of-body experience this night but didn't cross over. I saw my bloody body on the sidewalk. I recognized the body but was impartial to it. I heard a voice say, call 911, and someone responded, does she have insurance? Several people were gathered around me. People thought I had been stabbed because there was a pool of blood on my stomach. I was above my body and could see that blood was pouring from my face and the blood was streaming down my arm. My arm was crossed over my stomach where I was laying in a fetal position. I was out of my body for 15 to 20 minutes. I remember being back in my body when the paramedics were putting me into the ambulance. I looked over to the side and they were spraying my blood off the pavement with a high-powered hose. My face was shattered. My teeth were knocked out. It took five months for the swelling to go down just so that they could perform surgery. I had two facial reconstructive surgeries over the next seven months. I developed frozen shoulders sustained from the fall in the assault. It took seven years to recover. I developed PTSD and it wreaked havoc on my mind and body. 
Thankfully, I have fully recovered from this medical nightmare. Okay, so Carrie says that she had multiple deaths. Four in one night, right? That's a lot of deaths in one night. All in quick succession? Yes, quick succession. Succession? (laughs) Always got to have that one word we can't say, right? Yes. So four deaths to follow that night. And she said that she became a light body and she knew because she could see herself in a reflection. And I didn't include this, but she has a picture up on her story mm-hmm. that she describes she as what she thought that she looked like in her own reflection. And it kind of looks like uh, smoke almost, like a round kind of smoke. What do you think it looks like? When I first saw it, I said that it looked like an arachnid kind of shape. It has yeah, it multiple points. it kind of has points. like arms on it. And it looks like in the middle that there is like, I don't know, the way that it's shaped, it's like bug-like. And it looks like almost like breathing holes in the middle, which kind of just sounds like a monster, but it's just... It it looks a little bit... It looks... A little monstrous. A little monstrous. A little alien-like. You there's can definitely there's a center to it with kind of arms radiating out of right? it. Right? But and it's not right in the middle you can see two little breathing holes. It's not a solid form. <laughs> and that's why I said it kind of looks like smoke. She credits what's called a light body artist. Yeah, check, so someone check the created name for, this image. Check check the website for the credit cuz I don't know how to say that name. <laughs> oh. you Sokolowski. Sokolowski, so he's Russian probably. We can possibly include this picture on our Instagram. I don't know. Maybe we can put it as the profile image. Yeah. And I'll change it up. Just like edit it. (laughs) (laughs) So when she died, she thought that she went into a cosmic elevator. I mean, that's kind of interesting as well because her whole experience is happening in an elevator. I wonder if that's why she kind of thought it was a cosmic elevator because she was actually in an elevator. And she was stuck in the elevator too. She couldn't get out of it when the the wife, what's her name, Malia, she finally gets to her. She leaves to go get the Benadryl. Carrie texts her like, I'm actually going into anaphylactic shock. This Mm -hmm. isn't good. She said, okay, let's get to P2. (laughs) Just get to P2. Mm -hmm. And it was a struggle for her. And she goes unconscious, comes out of it. Malia gets to her. They get onto the elevator and they're stuck on the elevator. And Mm -hmm. she dies again, starts to cross over again. She gets stuck on a literal elevator. And while she's crossing over, she goes into the cosmic elevator. I assume it's up. I guess it could be down. But or nowhere. We're, we're gonna learn that. Yeah. Nowhere at all. Did she? She doesn't feel like she goes to the down place. If we're going to literally. Ex- if we are going to define elevator, that means to ascend, to go up. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can go down in an elevator, but yes, I'm assuming that it's she was to elevate the, means to raise the cosmic so. elevator. I assume is going up. I guess that part's not important. She she ascends into. A light body. She felt like she was going home. Which, the last story that we read by Jill D., the Halloween one, that's what she described her 
boiling like cloud thing that she went into when I thought it was like heaven she was going home to that and I think that this is Carrie's version of going home. I don't know if she went as deep as Jill did, but they both said that they were going home. I think I can probably think of a couple other ones that we've read recently too, mm-hmm. where they describe this going home crossover as going home mm-hmm. and not wanting to return. Yes. I think that's a really common theme is that people cross over and then they don't really want to come back because these bodies are heavy and I don't think they're as full of love and acceptance and as when you cross over. Unfortunately, Carrie's life that has led up to this moment has been her living in, in fear mm-hmm. and not probably feeling like she's home 100% Ever. anywhere. Yeah, and... She came out when she was 31 years old, so she was hiding who she was. And it sounds like she she knew she was gay, but she was scared to tell anyone. She said it took up until 31 years to come out to her Southern Baptist family. Mm -hmm. She was living in L.A. at at the time, but she had been raised in the Tennessee area, Bible Belt, Mm -hmm. very strict on everything and if you're gay i you mean would you're fucked kicked out and beaten as she says yeah that you're that's destined, a lot of fear you're destined to go to hell if you are gay which i personally yeah, fuck that you can be gay you can do anything that you want you to as long as you're not hurting anyone else and what's I very interesting to think about that, hannah we have never talked about that but i think you can do whatever you want as long as you're not hurting other people that's that is my moral that i live by that's healthy that doesn't necessarily excuse behaviors that i may feel guilty about my own because i'm hurting myself while doing it you know but that is your life but that's my life you are Mm -hmm. if you want to do that to yourself i think that's much more acceptable than trying to hurt other people Mm -hmm. as you go along that goes for big and small ways absolutely I agree. Thank you for bringing that up, Hannah. Thank you. (laughs) For thanking me for bringing it up. You're welcome. Yes. So she needed acceptance in this crossover, it seems like. Mm -hmm. She first meets her grandparents before Mm -hmm. God, right? Yes. You know, they come up and they're like, hey. They tell her (laughs) that they're sorry. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, when she she meets a god in that moment every gay slur that has ever been spoken to her is played back to her. And then he whisks her he whisks her away in this cosmic god hug. And what does God say? He says, <laughs> "You are my child. I love you. I love you. I love you." Go tell him. In a southern accent, which must which come I from her like that. Tennessee yeah, I, roots, you know. I assume that is kind of a her own personal uh, twist on it is him having. I think it's curious that she calls God him when actually she calls him a genderless God, but still refers to him as him. 
Maybe it seemed like... I think it maybe it's just easier to describe God as him because everyone describes God as him. She references him in capital as well. She's mm-hmm. raised as a Christian, a very strict Christ- Christian, so mm-hmm. it's in her roots to do that. It could have also been maybe this figure still seemed like masculine, in, masculine in a way, and that's the way to describe it. This seems I like know. a very life-changing thing to happen that maybe it could flip all of these. I'm curious if a non-binary person would describe God as a, a they. I would love to hear, yeah, a, non, a non-binary person's version of God. I don't. I don't know if it would be a different version. It's. I wouldn't imagine that a non-binary person acknowledges that other people are a part of the binary. Still. Yeah. It. I'm curious though if a non-binary person would would see a he or not. So any non-binary people out there who have who've had an NDE, submit it. A she is a part of the binary as well, though. Yeah. You're right. I just wonder if a person. Who- would like to be referred to as they sees sees a they sees a they because or if of they your, see a he or a she because you believe that god is us and that we personally see. i think i believe in more of a they us and from what what she says is she she sees a genderless god so i'm just wondering if that's because of the traditional view of god as being a he or if she really thought that God was a he. I guess she, she says they're genderless, so that's why it confuses me a little bit. I think she's just referencing God as he and him mm-hmm. because her experience with the Bible. Okay. Maybe it's yeah. an, a rooted a part of her childhood and I could I roots. could totally see that. And just the how things have changed so much even in the last 10 years with pronouns and things it's too much <laughs> so not a bad she, thing just a lot <laughs> it, it yeah, yeah it's uh-huh. a big change uh-huh. and she was whisked into her god hug and she said she went to the heart of god if she were to describe the place that she went to it was god's heart and, and you know as soon as this happens that's when she's like brought back into her body too which is interesting and she came back into darkness. It wasn't this warmth and comfort. No, and where she came from sounds amazing. And then she's in this cold, dark place with her anaphylactic shock. What I found extremely interesting about Carrie's experience specifically, and I'm sure other people have experienced this too, being awoken from unconsciousness Mm -hmm. takes some kind of effort sometimes Mm -hmm. she talks about the army medic that that wakes her up Mm -hmm. when they're trying to get to p2 goddamn p2 giving them trouble (laughs) (laughs) he makes sure to say things that he recognizes as familiar Mm -hmm. about the basketball carrie Carrie, I hear you play basketball. And it's very interesting <laughs> that this army medic had met her wife, I think Malia, that is a wild. week prior. Yeah, I think that is beautiful and wild and serendipitous. 
I love it. All a part of the plan. Yeah, I love it. I think that's my favorite part. Mm -hmm. That makes it kind of really solidify my belief in this, that things happening in the real world were maybe aligned. Not the real world, I'm sorry. In in this world world Mm -hmm. were aligned in the other world as well to assist her. I think that's Carrie, you're pretty blessed. crazy. You are totally blessed, I believe. How how does that happen? That this person knew exactly what to do and knew exactly that at the the you played horrible basketball. horrible time. So when she was talking to this medic, she was speaking telepathically still, and she was kind of angry with them, saying, "Well, you know how heavy this body is. You know that I can't get up." She's like been back in, back into the world for half a second. Half a second. <laughs> she's already tired. Like, <laughs> you know, I can't do this. Yeah, she's got to get her bearings, and you don't fact, need bearings on the other he side. He does not know, but I think on the other side that this person they would know, but they're just not on the other side like Carrie is. Yeah, to go into that intense of. I don't know how to describe it. I've never been through anaphylactic shock, but you can't breathe mm-hmm. for a long time mm-hmm. and you have you have time to process that it's not happening and then when you come back it's that's just a lot. Yeah. Mentally, not only physically but mentally as well. Mm-hmm. From Carrie's obviously long and painful experience with her life she's come back from feeling so so loved and warm and Mm -hmm. probably everything that she ever wanted probably just so like dry and cold and unconnected yeah and before this incident she had never had an allergic reaction before which is so curious to me that all of a sudden this random anaphylactic shock comes into your life and then happens six more times. Six more times. And they never figure out why she is having this anaphylactic shock. I, I wonder would, if it's all to tell this story. That was that's a thought that I had. If it's to tell the story, mm-hmm. it's also a thought that I had that maybe it is her brain's response to the serious trauma that she references at the end of this. Um, it's not. I mean, the end is just kind of like her explaining just some terrible things that have happened to her and this is her previous hate her hate crime that happened to yeah, her yeah maybe her I hate wonder- crime brought on this anaphylactic shock something got I th- jogged in her yeah that, yeah, yeah I, th- right. I, th- I think our bodies are are such a a vessel to respond to trauma in so many different ways that mm-hmm. who knows who knows that what could have caused it obviously the doctors couldn't figure it out mm-hmm Maybe she had some serious physical trauma mm-hmm. on top of the mental, of course, but physical trauma that that caused this to, to start because it also is, speaks of syncope, that she was being treated of that as well. Mm-hmm. And what's syncope, Hannah? Syncope is fainting spells. It's like okay. consistent fainting spells. Syncope can be caused from very many different reasons but she doesn't explain where the syncope was coming from mm-hmm. i don't think she, she figured it out no she doesn't have a conclusion for us she had 
inconsistent heart rates as well. Mm -hmm. This could also mean what you're saying. Like, maybe she's connected to the other side. Mm -hmm. And the other side is communicating to her through these really unfortunate physical ways. I think her message is really powerful. I mean, she really just gets straight to the the heart of the issue about being gay. She's not afraid to just ask God straight to God's face. So what do you think about that? And God just, God's like, come on. Or maybe that's just like the one question that she's feared her whole life. Yes. And this is the one time for her to say it. She, I love you for this, Carrie. She says later in- You got in, some be-alls. <laughs> some be-alls, some- Some owls. Some, some woman be-alls. <laughs> So she goes into anaphylactic shock six more times after this, and she has six more ambulance rides. Each time. Yes, and never figures out what is wrong with her. I'm curious that the hospital or the doctors there didn't prescribe her with an EpiPen. They did. Yeah, she says that she had to use the EpiPen a few more times. Did the EpiPen not work and that's why she called the ambulance, or did she call the ambulance and then they use an EpiPen on her? I'm not sure. That's I was I was gauging. I'm not sure. On that. My gauge from that was that she called the ambulance and they gave her an epi, epipen. Like she, her body was coursing with epinephrine. Yes. Why would she need to call the ambulance that many more times if she didn't have an epipen on her? Was the the, ep, uh, the epinephrine not working on her and therefore she was having to go contact to an ambulance? I'm not sure. Carrie, if you want to get on here, we can clear some stuff up. So, we'd love to have you on. <laughs> Wouldn't we love to have any one of these yeah, people on Yeah, we'd here? love to have any of these people on. We're talking about you. Yeah, we're totally interested in These people so far have saying. no idea that we are going very in-depth into what they're talking about, and I'm sure, yes. I'm sure it would be something really interesting to talk to them about in person. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get there sometime. So, she had her... Her hate crime in 2009, and she had some really serious complications that she had to recover from. Even when when did she have this experience? 2009. So, but when was her ex- her original experience? What original experience? This experience. the The hate crime took place in 2009, but when did her NDE take place? Afterwards. So her experience happened in 2015, six years after her hate crime. And during her hate crime, she had a, an out-of-body experience and she could see blood coming out of her face. She said she had her out-of-body experience for about 15 to 20 minutes. She was impartial to it, that she yes, heard other people I, speaking about her. I've heard that so often with near-death experiences and I guess out-of-body experiences is that you just are not connected to that life anymore. You're not connected to that body. You don't care anymore. It's kind of like watching a movie where, oh, look at that girl on the ground, how bloody she is. And You're like you a realize, spectator. Yes, you realize, oh, that's me. Oh, shit, that's mm-hmm. happening to me. She had her face shattered. And yeah, it, this part's uh, hard to talk about. No one... She physically no had to recover. No one something like that to happen. It sounds like she was still recovering from it in 2015. Please don't hurt someone because 
of whatever ideas you have about them. What does it serve to harm someone physically, emotionally, spiritually, based on unfounded and ideas that just make you simply uncomfortable? Yeah, it has That's nothing to do with you. really bothers me, hearing about people taking out their own feelings on how someone else is living their life through really violent, gruesome, awful ways only based on discomfort. That's all it is. Because it makes you uncomfortable, you have to beat this lady's face in. You know, if these were... These people that beat her were raised in a religious environment. Honestly, those fuckers deserve to go to hell more than this person more than Carrie. is just, yeah. Carrie, you know, bind, Carrie hasn't done anything wrong. So, and when Carrie was in this out-of-body experience, she says she was able to see everything, which makes me think from previous near-death experiences that I've read is you kind of have a 360 view of everything. You don't just see what's in front of you. Yeah, it's very interesting when she mentions in the later questions that it wasn't like an all-knowing that we've kind of heard, like you just Mm -hmm. know of what's going on. Mm -hmm. She mentions that she had an all-seeing where she could just actually see everything Mm -hmm. with heightened vision. Heightened vision, yes. Yeah, the heightened vision. Carrie says that she saw four of her grandparents. Yeah, she saw four of them, but in the main portion... I think, did she only talk about two of them? She only spoke of two of them. Yeah, so... Or she didn't differentiate between... Yeah, either you saw all of them and maybe weren't specific, but it sounds like she saw grandparents on both sides. Yeah, she said she saw grandparents from both sides. I have five grandparents, so I don't know. (laughs) You have five? Yeah, I have a step-grandma. I'm going to see her this weekend. Oh, I guess I technically have five, too, then. But all of my blood grandparents have passed. Shout out, grandparents. Yeah, two of my my blood grandparents have... Three of them have passed. My mom's side I never met. Mm -hmm. My grandpa passed a few years ago. And then I have my grandma and my step-grandpa. So I guess step-grandparents are grandparents. A hundred percent. Carrie says that she was raised Christian, right? Southern Baptist, but Mm -hmm. she personally is not religious. She is spiritual, though. That was something other to note, that she is very crystals and Mm -hmm. reading very spiritual guided books to try to stay connected to the other side. Mm Mm-hmm. One interesting point is that she never told her grandparents that she was gay. But on the other side, they said that they accepted her for being gay. And I think that that's really significant that she never told them and they still were able to say, we still, we accept you and we love you for being gay. So if anyone out there is gay and they're really wondering I'm hoping that this can bring a little bit of peace to your life, that God does not have a problem with you being gay. You be gay. You be non-binary. You be whatever you want to be. Just be you. I think at the end of the day, your God is your God, like we've talked about, and 
your God wouldn't feel those feelings about you and he wouldn't have created you to be this way if if you weren't. Charlotte's chiming in, she agrees. We're getting attacked by animals right now. She says, yes, mom, you're right. At the end of the day, your God is your God and your God would never have picked this life for you without being confident that this is the life that is your life, right? Yeah, the life that you need to live, the life you need to experience and learn from. Based off of my own life experiences and maybe my own trauma that I've had, I don't feel like it's made me confused about my path, if that makes sense. You and I don't identify as We're not straight. straight. (laughs) I think that's all we'll say today is that we are not straight. So we're more than allies. Crooked as fuck. (laughs) We're crooked as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to learn more about that, you can ask us questions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Before this experience, she believed in a loving God. Is that what we read? Yeah. And that she believed in life after death. So when she was growing up, she was taught that being gay was an abomination. It was a sin. All gay people were going to burn in hell. And that she hid her sexuality from her family until she came out at 31. And she was living in Los Angeles. That is why she never told her grandparents. That's why she escaped the area that she was living in. Mm-hmm. That's why she's lived in fear. All of this was confirmed during her near-death experience. It was not confirmed, excuse me, but it was, this fear was negated, as Uh in she did not need to have this fear. God loved her. God believed in her. She did not, she had this moment of not judgment. She wasn't given the opportunity to be judged until she asked to be judged when she said, I love love Carrie. This is one of my favorite stories that I have ever read, and I bookmarked it. It (laughs) makes me cry in the recording. I cried a little bit, Mm. but I cut that out. It's heavy. It's heavy. (laughs) But I'm so happy that you were able to spread this message to other people because there are so many people out there who hate themselves because they are gay. And it's because of things that other people have told them and things that they have read when it's just so unfounded. And God doesn't make things that he doesn't think should exist or they shouldn't think, you know, that they don't think should exist. Why should we feel shame for loving people? Yeah, really. Love is love. Isn't that all gay is? It's just loving people that just a pers- doesn't quite a person align that doesn't with align created with... values, right? Yes. Maybe it doesn't serve biology in the sense that you can... But you know what? There are so many people on this earth right now. Maybe homosexuality is going to save us. I, I w- think adopt. It, I think it just proves our variety in, in human nature and that we now live in a society that supports that variety. We can... Yes. We can succumb that and live peacefully and and support one another in an environment of of fucking love like why is it so hard to just accept people and exist 
stay in your fucking lane and mm-hmm. just exist. <laughs> it's frustrating. And I don't know why that bothers other people. I don't know why the guy next door needs to comment on this homosexual couple that is living next to them. Why do you care? Because if they're going to fucking hell for being gay, why the fuck does it matter to you? You're not going yeah. to hell. You're you are you are you're, you're good. You're, fine, you're right? good. So why do you even care that this couple next to you is going to hell? It's not because you want to save them from something. Because if you were trying to save them from something, then you'd be trying to convert them and not just tell them that they're going to hell. For Carrie's position specifically, we do have. We do have examples of people, I'm sure, that will just try to be like, I am here to save you. I'm very worried about you. But even that is just, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Even if we think about the Bible and... Why are you trying, why are you, why are you judging people when that's God's job? Thank Thank you, you, Carrie. Carrie. And you can read more of these near-death experiences at nderf.org. I also think it's just appropriate to say that this is one of these topics that is extremely relatable and heavy, current as well. I think it's a really current topic. I think it's a very current topic, and I think it's one that you and I both very much have feelings about have feelings about and relate to i think we have a lot of feelings about this one which is why i didn't want to do it right away (laughs) yeah we we read this one early on yeah tackle it later and we said i think it's a little (laughs) bit too soon we felt it was time and not that we're any kinds of serious advocates or anything but if anyone out there feels like we do about this and would like someone to talk to just Hit us up. I feel like we could probably really reach out to some people here with this topic. Yeah, if you and create a discourse, you know, yeah, if about this, this one if this story right? made you feel any kind of way, please reach out. Any kind of way. And I guess that goes for all of the episodes as well. If it makes you feel any kind of way, please reach out. We are just yeah, hoping. I want to hear. How you support it, how you don't support it, and everything in between. We're ready for some discourse, y'all. Yeah. It's just you and me, Rachel. Maybe it can even spur on an episode in the future. Yeah, we would love some input and response. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you. We appreciate you. Bye. Bye.